Hello and welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Over the many years I've been running a business, I've met many, many successful people, entrepreneurs, sports stars, celebrities, and dare I say, even royalty. So what makes a person successful? Do we know what success is? And the all important question, can we create success for ourselves? This podcast series invites a diverse group of people to share their insights, their wisdom, and the things they've learned along the way. Mental health and emotional well-being have become buzzwords in recent years, and in the current climate, they are more relevant than ever. Penny Power OBE started out in the IT industry in 1983, and has witnessed, it would be fair to say, every step of the technological revolution. In 1998, Penny founded Academy with her husband, Thomas. Academy was actually the world's first social network for business, the concept being the desire to connect business people as friends in a world that was opening up online but was clearly going to create isolation and fears around who to trust. Penny was awarded an OBE for her contribution to the digital economy and the impact that Academy had. In 2018, having built two more businesses, Penny stepped back for six months to evaluate the life she wanted going forward. There were many traumas, both financial and emotional, as she spent time calibrating and coming to terms with her new normal, much like many people are doing now. Penny wrote her best-selling book, Business is Personal, published in January 2019. And now Penny and Thomas once again run a business community and also a mastermind program and love the life they've rebuilt together. This is quite a story. Uh, a number of people, Penny, have mentioned your name to me. Your reputation precedes you, of course. But what I love about what you've achieved, it's not just the achievement itself, but it's the way you have stepped back, evaluated your life, made those changes. And this is going to be a very powerful story and series of messages for many, many listeners out there. So Penny Power OBE, uh, welcome indeed to the Sandro Forte podcast. Lovely to be here. Thank you for that introduction. Uh, well, you you created it, Penny, in the sense that uh, it is quite a story, a real a real journey, uh, a process of tenacity and focus and determination, and uh, it's no no wonder that you've been so recognised for the things that you've done. And we'll talk about the book and all the other things that have come from your your amazing journey uh, in a moment. But first of all, uh, there's lots of people, of course, they need to Google search you and they will know who Penny Power is. But if you don't mind just taking us back to 1983, not many people were around in 1983 that listened to this podcast, but um, just to get a sense of who Penny Power is, just tell us, if you would, about your life before the IT industry, just by way of a background so we understand who you are. Oh, that's a lovely question. So um, youngest of four, um, Scottish family, um, moved south just before I was born. and. Um, Grew up in a nice family. I think, uh, like many people my age, I'm 56. I had quite um, closed parents. They weren't hugely emotionally connected to us, but they were very dutiful and very good. And um, uh, I always wanted to have uh, work in a caring way. I, when I was very young, when I was about 11, I was quite lonely. A lot of my siblings had left home. We lived quite remote in the country, and a boy next door moved in with his family who was cerebral palsy became my 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 greatest joy uh, he was very heavily um disabled i suppose you call it couldn't feed himself couldn't walk 
Um, and every school, every day after school and school holidays and weekends, I would spend with him. Always thanked his mum for letting me come around to see him. Until I know, until I became a parent myself, how much that must have been heaven for her. But <laughs> it, was, it was joy. So I always, I actually worked very hard. I wasn't brilliant academically. I think, like a lot of people, I came out of school feeling like I was very thick. But now on reflection, unfortunately, the school, um, which was a private school that my parents sent me to at the time, weren't really into creating powerful women they were more into creating domesticated women and um so i actually spent three years in sixth form to get the qualifications to be able to become a physiotherapist but uh during that process so i did my gcse's or o levels at the time and then um had to do retakes of those and then two years of a levels and then during that process the qualifications to become a physiotherapist were changed and i wasn't able to reach them which was a, after nine years of that dream, it was quite a hard blow. Um, so I then applied for nursing and um, a degree in nursing at Exeter University, didn't get in to do that. Um, and then applied to be a, to do child psychology at, at university and got a place for that. But at 19, I had to leave home and um, I had to feed myself. So I joined, really was going to be for a short time until the, my place came up at the university, uh, an IT company. And I remember the first day I thought was, I was in sales, telesales, I thought this really is horrible, this isn't for me. And I actually did okay there, did quite well, but I resigned to take my place up at uni. But I was taken to my boss's boss's boss and asked why was I leaving? And I explained that business wasn't really for me. I, I, I didn't feel I was a business person. And um, he persuaded me to stay, which was quite a big, u-turn really I don't know that was my ego or whatever but I felt very wanted I suppose and did stay and spent my first 10 years of my business career uh, working for a number of different computer distributors and managing channels and worked up to when I was 23 I became very young sales marketing director with a 80 million pound target and 350 staff (laughs) Um, so that was sort of my young life, yeah. Wow. Well, for, for, for a business that wasn't particularly for you, that's uh, that's not a bad pr- uh, career progression. Uh, you and I actually, a couple of things you mentioned there, Penny, I, I had no idea about, despite the fact we do do a lot of research on our guests. Um, yeah, I, I, okay. I share that uh, the, the, the cerebral palsy story in the sense that my wonderful nephew um, has been suffering from you know, it's a very, very debilitating uh, yeah. disability, as you know. I mean, he's done super well, and I'm extremely proud of Ben. He's a, a lovely lad. Uh, and I also ended up starting a career in a profession I didn't much care for uh, and got talked out of leaving as well. So uh, you oh, have a, a, couple of, yeah, a couple of similarities there straight away. So um, obviously, the, the IT industry, let's call it that, uh, you kind of uh, fell into, uh, if that's the right expression, but yeah. I'm very interested for somebody who's, you know, Gen X, IT and me just don't go together. I'm particularly interested, mm-hmm. again, a lot of people listening will be also interested to know what you've seen. And this is a very broad question. I apologize because we're covering, you know, 35 okay. years here. But what have you seen happen in the IT industry in terms of development and change? Because we'll talk about Academy in the moment and the, and the journey went on with that. But what have you seen happen over the last... 35 plus years 
Well, I, I suppose it's uh, it's really the invasion on it in our lives is the greatest shift, I would say, you know, whether that's good or bad. And I think that's down to personal responsibility, how we treat technology and um, especially sort of the digital revolution. Um, interestingly, when I had my first child, and I was 28 with Thomas, um, now I've got three children. So that. um so they're all in the mid twenties. And um, when I had Hannah, I, I really wanted to be a full-time mum, and we cut our cloth and, and made sure that was the case. And um, during that period, it was, I was a bit restless to do something. And I was asked if I would head up a new form of um, distribution of computers into the home. And that was in 1995. And that was a company that was going to distribute these new compact the company was called Compact, they ended up being bought mm. here at Packard, computers that uh, really started that home revolution. And I ended up having 640 agents that I trained up on a Saturday and then they went off and we did technology um, evenings at schools and demonstrations in people's homes. And it was really quite a fundamental shift because that really was the big birth of the technology coming in and invading our home lives. I, we were coming at it from an education point of view with all these amazing um, discs, CD-ROMs and you know, encyclopedias mm. and all things that help families. Um, and I suppose that's one of the biggest, I suppose that was a big, big shift, a huge shift. And I enjoyed that very much because I could see the benefits of education and things around that. And then, of course, the next big shift was in the, you know, five years later, I suppose, when the internet really started to take a foothold and people walking around with their dot com on their web on their business cards and saying you know strutting around saying i'm the next big millionaire and you know these <laughs> business cards were were like lottery tickets really they didn't know whether it was going to come in or not um and that's when we gave birth to the idea of academy and i suppose i mean that amazingly to me is 22 I mean, that's ridiculous when I even say those words 22 years ago that we gave birth to Academy, the first social network. At the time, there was MySpace and Friends Reunited, but there was nothing in the business space to connect people. And because I've always come from a relationship aspect, I mean, that's what really was the bedrock of those 10 years of working in employment in the IT industry. It was I just I was only I only cared about the people, the people that work for me, my suppliers and my clients and and I was very emotional about it. You know, when I was, I remember when I was out doing field sales for the first time when I was 21, um, I, I kissed this client goodbye. <laughs> he was so shocked. <laughs> but to me, I, I, I build bonds and I, I want long-term relationships with people. And what's been incredible through all of our financial ups and downs and what I would say to anybody, anybody who's starting a business, starting out in their careers, the most, totally most important asset you create is your social capital, your reputation. And as we will unfold in, in this conversation, Thomas and I lost everything. We went from being valued at £22 million to homeless, basically, and renting and living at my parents' house and three kids. And, and the only thing that got us back up and the only thing that's helped us to keep re-emerging through different traumas that have happened have been the people that believe in us as individuals and trust us as individuals not the logo not the business brand it's us now when you're building a business obviously as long as you as a person comes through that brand 
that's going to reflect into your business. But um, you know that 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 I suppose that's what I see now is that when in answer to your question, which is quite a long answer, you, you know there are these different waves of change. But now the biggest wave of change is how do you use technology to build trust and connect with the people you want to connect with, yeah. and and select and choose the, the 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 tribe around you that are going to make you feel good about yourself and that you can make feel great about them and you can build and rise together. That to me is the opportunity we have now. A, a, a long answer it was, but very necessary and very succinctly uh, and articulately put, if I may say. Uh, again, a couple of interesting similarities. Uh, my first child, who I had at the age of 28, was also called Thomas. How bizarre is that? Uh, and uh, I, I regularly kiss clients, Penny. So um, <laughs> I, 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 sub I subscribe to the long-term trusted relationship yeah. theory as well. So, I, I try um, hard not to snog them. That's the only thing. I, just, <laughs> I haven't, I haven't moved on to up. snogging yet. No, so no, um, no. I, I think I draw yeah. the line there. But anyway, uh, so fast forward to 2012. Uh, yeah. Academy, uh, as you've already alluded to, um, ends. That, that part yeah. of your life, that journey ends. How yeah. did it affect you? Particularly, you know, we talk a lot about mental health. I mentioned it in the introduction. Uh, it, clearly, for you and Thomas you went through a, a psychological trauma, you went through a, uh, a real process of evaluation of your life and business. I don't want to put words into your mouth because you can take us through that, that little part of the story. But how did it affect you? And most importantly, what steps did you take to overcome those challenges you faced at that time? <laughs> Uh, great questions. And I think this is so relevant, Sandro, to uh, what people are going through now. And and in a way, we feel quite blessed and not in a, a smug way that the, the clients and that are coming towards us now, we can help them because people, I used to call myself the, the accidental entrepreneur, which I very much was when I came up with the idea of the academy. Um, and now somebody labeled me the honest entrepreneur, which I found quite nice because there is so much fake around and you know, each of us are in danger of doing it. The gap between our truth and our identity is often very wide. And, um, and I think there lies a lot of mental health issues because when people get up in the morning and put on their clothes and suddenly have to perform as somebody else and, and hide their truth, the stress of that is enormous. And so in 2012, um, it was a very enormous um, uh, collapse for us. I mean, we had, we went from 5,000 events across the world, being on a world stage, um, being in newspapers, being um, valued very high and um, financially to, and having 650,000 members of our community that really relied on this platform for their identity and their sense of belonging and their mental health to it going. And, and, it, and yeah, you're right. I write about it in chapter two of my book I call Being Broken. And everybody has their story of that. And of course, you lose, you know, the financial stress was huge because we were left with over two million pounds worth of personal debt. Um, but the biggest thing which we didn't really recognize or able to articulate was our loss of identity. Um, because we had this identity of Thomas and Penny. Wow, what have they built? And whilst we hopefully never became um, too defined by that identity, um, because we had a lot of financial stress along the way building the business, 
um, it was how people knew us. And I remember being introduced from at one point, you know, I'm on a world stage, you know, in, I remember being in a, at a big event in Australia, uh, being introduced to the most connected person in the world to being introduced in Farnham, where we live, to the most connected person in Farnham. And, you know, it's a huge shift. And this is what a lot of people are, are going to be struggling with is actually they're not necessarily making decisions from their truth and what they want. They're clambering to hold on to an identity. And um, I think, you know, I know that a lot of your audience is diverse in age from the millennial through to maybe people my age. And I think we have to really recognize the different drivers that we have going through those stages and live within those drivers and I think mental health and what I would term mental fitness, because I was mentally strong and I never thought I had a mental health issue, but I wasn't mentally fit enough. And there's a big difference between being physically strong and physically fit. And so when we stepped back, it was about looking at what are our drivers now? You know, in our 20s, our drivers are very clear. You know, we're building our identity. We're building our wealth. We're building our sense of belonging to things. We're it's a it's a very very energetic time of our lives then in our 30s and 40s often often we're supporting our family and our, and we're driven by that you know how do we keep a roof over their heads how do we educate them how do we feed them we get into our 50s and 60s and what I, what's then driving us and what i realized was we had habits formed probably from our 20s that mm. we're still habits in our system it was still the way we were comparing ourselves and, you know, comparison is a thief of joy. And if you could be comparing yourself with another person, but actually the really cruel thing is to compare yourself with your former self. Yeah. And that's what we were still doing. Um, and so by stepping back and us both saying, here we are, we were 53, 54 when we said that, actually what do we want the next 20, 25 years to be while well, we're, we're still needing and wanting to earn an income and wanting to be, um, contributing to the economy and others um, and that was a really big moment now I did this with the help of many people who I decided to be very honest with people um, you know people that I'd seen who had been members of ours and I'd admired them as coaches and but I'd never used them because I didn't really want to tell our members some of the crap that was going on in our lives because I didn't want them to feel vulnerable about the business we had um, but I also went to a psychologist, which was fantastic. Because I think psychologists, my son's now a, um, a psychologist and he's doing his master's now, specialising in, in mindfulness and performance. And um, when people are really trained to understand how to help your mind, I think that's very important. Mm. And it was beautiful because actually when you step back and say, what is the life I really truly want to lead? Not what is the identity that I feel I have to have. It's a very... It's a very liberating feeling. That is an, am an amazingly powerful message to lots of people. I think we've all struggled with that conundrum at uh, one time or another, Penny. So, and, and not least me, I'm first to hold my hands up. Uh, yeah. Not a day goes by where you, where you don't juggle those two thoughts. So, um, and, and then fast forward two more years, 2014, you're awarded an OBE uh, and quite rightly and, and, uh, and well-deserved too. Uh, it, it's unusual for somebody, despite your services to the IT industry, uh, you know, so soon after that very, very difficult time in your life to be recognised. That must have been a particularly fulfilling moment. It, would, that be a, would that be a good way of describing it? What, what went through your mind? Clearly, very proud. But um, Well, 
at the time, so we were in our 50th year, so we were born in 64, so, um, but at the time, unfortunately, we were going through a massive amount of family traumas. Um, our daughter, uh, my, daughter, my sister's daughter, who was the first baby I'd ever loved, she was born when I was 20, died very suddenly, not long after getting married, um, within eight weeks of diagnosis of cancer. Um, my mum had um dementia which was very demanding and i know you know many people that have experienced that nanita as one of the people you've interviewed that can be very demanding and very upsetting my brother got diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and died and also um our daughter um who had just started working and sort of having that life that she'd worked for for 22 years really and living away from us um went skiing and was abducted by three men and um put through probably what's an obvious trauma and you uh, without me having to say it and that was all happening during that year which is quite extraordinary you know during that period I should say not necessarily that year and I was putting oxygen on so many people and I think again a lot of women and possibly um very hands-on um fathers if they've got time to do those things whether they're you know working very hard or at home um, you do tend to put the oxygen um, on everybody else. And, and that, so it all is a blur. That's the only thing I can say. But I was on a train one day, and I get a train with Alistair Stewart, the, the ITV um, journal, uh, newscaster, mm-hmm. lovely man. And he congratulated me, he'd heard, he'd read it in the New Year's Honours list. And he said, what are you going to do to celebrate? And I said, oh, I don't need to do anything. <laughs> just, it's lovely, isn't it? He said, no, you have to celebrate it. And so we did, you know, I, we, we, we had a lovely day at um, Windsor Castle and then I, I had a lovely party in a, a room. And then it got boxed away, to be quite honest, which is a great shame, but there was so much going on. But then later on, I learned that um, validation is very powerful. Um, it's, it's an incredibly powerful thing, but sometimes we rely too much on external validation. And it was my daughter after she had come through a trauma and was becoming this incredible woman that I just couldn't believe I'd given birth to, said to me, Mum, I don't understand why you're not feeling more confident about yourself because I'd lost a lot of confidence. She said, you've got an OBE, you've got people that love you, you've got this, you've got that, you've got you know, a lot of followers. And I said, I just don't believe it. I just, you know, look, I don't have that validation because I was still validating myself through financial success. Mm. And Thomas and I were broken. And this is a very interesting thing back to what's going through for people. People will start to build their egos around the external validation. And that's lovely to be validated. And I would, you know, I thank the, the, the Dave Cameron and the Queen every day for what they <laughs> gave me. <laughs> but it's nothing like the moment at which you start to validate yourself. Mm. Um, it, you have to, you can get all sorts of external validations, but internally, your self worth, your belief in yourself, and rebuilding that from a place of adversity is more powerful than anything. Clearly, these wise words that you are sharing today, Penny, uh, in some respect, come from that year of retreat, let's call it that, that moment where you stepped back and said, Right, enough's enough. I need to take a good look at, at who I am and what I want to be. Uh, I'm going to throw away that external validation and all the other things that you've mentioned. Do, uh, with the benefit of hindsight, do you look back at that year of retreat, that that moment of reflection, which many of us have never taken the time to do? Do you look at it with 
regret? Do you see it as a really positive thing? What came from that moment of reflection? Um, it, massive self-awareness. I think that's what I would say. Um, I mean, I, no, I don't think many people knew I'd retreated. Um, at the time, I was trying to build another company um, called The Business Cafe. And uh, so I wasn't revenue generating and I wasn't managing clients. So I was still out trying to get investment and I was doing a lot of public speaking. Um, and so it was very quiet uh, contemplation without me, you know, it wasn't an obvious, you know, leave me alone. Um, but I think the time gave me that self-awareness that I had never had. I'd always, and a lot of it is uh, my upbringing, the schools I'd been to always felt I wasn't enough. And um, there was always this need to do more, be more, achieve more. And, and I think I had to understand why I was that person and get the self-awareness of my character and personality and really, truly understand why I was performing and acting in the way I was, which was quite self-destructive. Um, and then out of it... You know, I remember sitting down with Thomas and saying, look, look, let's just start from ground zero. He was doing non-executive working as he still does. He was doing all sorts of things. But we were in fight and push mode. And I said, Let, let's step back. Let's completely take out. We'd cleared our debts. I mean, that was a momentous moment. I write about it in my book, Our Money Most Monster. Clearing £2 million worth of personal debt on credit cards um, um, it's no mean feat. And we had cleared that. We'd had to work very hard to achieve that sort of income while still privately educating our kids. Um, but we'd cleared that. So we were now at zero. And I said, how we need to step back to make sure we don't go and repeat the same habits of a lifetime um, and look at our ambitions. Um, and it, it's the freedom it gave us. And you know, to a certain extent, I think we stopped having an entrepreneurial mindset, which is a bit um, a bit unusual to me. Being an entrepreneur was scaling something and jam tomorrow. It was about scaling things and being the alchemist that builds something from nothing. And we decided actually let's support other people that want to do that, and let's emotionally support them and give them the confidence and the and and let's start giving back. Now my. My brother, who was an amazing athlete, in fact, six months before he died, and he was 63 when he died, he had won gold medal at the uh, Veteran Olympics. And I've got a picture of him with his gold medal. And when he was dying, one of the things he said was that he wished in a way he hadn't focused on his own success, that he'd started to help other people become athletes and achieve the things that they wanted. And I think that's stayed with me. And I think Thomas and I decided now with all our wealth of knowledge and massive empathy and, and some, you know, skills of connecting and building brand and all sorts of things, let's now give it back to others. That and is, um, those words fun. are, those words, Penny, are quite a legacy, aren't they, to pass down um, and, and clearly have, have um, contributed enormously to the success that you've achieved. I know you mentioned emotional support, uh, Business women in particular is a group that you you support. But in general terms, there's a lot of people listening at the moment who are either suffering with some kind of mental health or or other emotional issue. What advice, um, in, in as simple terms, I guess as we can put it, would you give to anyone who find themselves in a challenging situation at the moment? 
Well, I've got clients like that at the moment. And I, I mean, I have to say it's literally 50-50 our clients through our mastermind and, and our community. We, we work men and women. I suppose uh, we attract people who are wanting that open, honest, honest place with someone. Um, and uh, the advice I would give, I'm, I'm giving it to somebody at the moment who's trying to come out of lockdown with a lot of business stress. And I think we really do need to give ourselves time to step back and rewrite what we want our life to be. Um, I think if we keep on building from Lego, so you build something and then the house burns down or, you know, the Lego collapses and you try and build from those foundations and you end up building something you might not have wanted in the first place. Mm. And I think it's that, it's that ability to sit in the middle of a field and really think about what is the life and business I want to lead. And that is without looking like I'm promoting my book. And if anybody would want it, I would send my books to them for free. Because it's it, to me, when you actually sit, step back and say, who am I? What do I want from life? And what are my drivers? And, and you then rebuild from that place. It's very powerful. And actually, I wrote a blog in 2001 called Emotional Wealth Leads to Financial Wealth. I can now tell you that Thomas and I have got more um, income in our lives than we've had for over 20 years, which is weird. We might not have the asset, that valuation of a big business, but we've got more income and we're happier than we've ever been. And so I think it's really working out. How do you deliver your, your golden, golden self <laughs> to the wow. world? that delivers to you a life that you want to lead. And then it just works in some beautiful virtuous circle. That's a, that's a lovely way to put it. I, I've been listening to you in awe today. Um, you know, I've, I also have a family that's unfortunately been decimated by cancer, not least my auntie uh, recently diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. You mentioned that earlier. Uh, yeah. we, we, we both speak in different parts of the world and we've both written a book. Uh, yours is going to be far better than mine, I'm sure. Mine is no literary classic. Um, but I want to mention the book and I'm just going to back up on something you said and I'm going to add a little comment in support of your very kind offer to send a book for free. I don't think that's a very good idea because you might get absolutely inundated with requests. What we are going to do on the Sandro Forty podcast, we are going to purchase from Penny five copies of a book and we're going to offer them as prizes. You know how it all works. Uh, I'll remind you at the end. So we're going to purchase five copies from you, Penny. We're going to give them away as prizes to those who who like and share the podcast. Uh, beyond that, uh, anyone who wants an additional copy will have to pay for it in the, in the usual way. Uh, mm -hmm. You have mouths to feed after all. But it's a very, very <laughs> kind offer. Um, so just email us at hello at sandrospodcast.com if you want to get a copy of Penny's book. So the book, uh, how did that come about, Penny? Business is personal. It was very, very strange, really. I hadn't even been thinking of writing a book. Um, but I went to a TED talk to watch somebody and bumped into one of our academy members called Scott Keezer, who is actually, a, he's now one of our masterminds and is a phenomenal writer and helps people learn how to write. And Scott, we hadn't seen Scott for about six years. And he said to me, he asked how we were doing and what was going on. And we was shared with him what life was like. And I was, I was during that year that I was going through this. And he said, you know, I want you to tell, I wanted to tell you, Penny, something that you once said in a speech that was has really resonated with me. And you told me that business is personal and you gave me permission in a world that says it's not personal. It's just business to actually say business is personal. 
And I said to him, God, Scott, you're a phenomenal man. You've just given me the title to my book. <laughs> <laughs> and I hadn't even think, been thinking about writing a book. And, um, and so that's really was the catalyst, which so I've got to stop to thank a lot for that. Um, and I, I actually wrote the draft in three months um, because it really was quite easy to flow through what I wanted other entrepreneurs who wealth is important. And, you know, I, I am a, I am a capitalist. I do believe in wealth. Okay. Um, because I believe in taking personal responsibility as much as you can for your, your life and your family and the education of your family. And I believe in giving back as well. So I want to help entrepreneurs to be successful, both wealth financial but also emotional wealth and that's really what i'm trying to achieve in the book we we haven't had a, a lot of time today to talk about social power limited i'm sure we can just touch on that very briefly i suppose the the penultimate question because unfortunately we've run out of time and no one's more devastated about that than me but uh social power limited what's next for penny power obe so um we have had 450 people apply to do our mastermind and we only take 24 a year. And, um, and there are many reasons, you know, they don't come on it financial or, or others um, or where they are in their own journey. So we're actually creating a group called the BIP 100 club and we're going to be launching that in a month or so. And that's just going to be for 100 people. And we've capped it at 100 for this to become a very close group of people where a lot of the values that I've shared today are within it but we also help them to get all the secondary skills that you need around you because I think most of us know what our primary skill is you know you help people with um, manage their wealth right? you know we all know what we're good at but there are so many skills we need around us and they never stop coming with especially with the shifts in technology and mindsets and attitudes and so um, we're going to help them to grow their businesses in a very close community. So that's really exciting for us. And apart from that, I'm very excited by the businesses that my children are in and what they're doing. And um, yeah, and I would love to get to a point to, of having one day a week off. <laughs> I think, you know, that, that I think is important to choose and pace yourself. So that's- Well, that's I, I think uh, anecdotally, uh, in terms of the experience you've, you've garnered along the way, don't think it's very long before you achieve that that ambition, despite the fact that I know you dedicate yourself to so many people. Uh, final uh, question, really, uh, apart from asking you as a precursor to that question, how we find out about you, Penny. So websites, social media presence, uh, probably not a good idea to give your personal email address away, but any other way that we can connect with Penny Power OBE? So um, I am pretty open about how you can connect with me. Even on LinkedIn, I have my WhatsApp number. Um, you know, I don't want to stop people being able to connect with me. Um, so that's fine. Um, pennypower.co.uk is my website. Um, Twitter, I'm at pennypower. Um, LinkedIn, I'm easy to find. Um, Facebook, I'm pretty easy to find as well. So um, if you really want to connect with me, I don't think there'll be any, any barriers to that. Well, I will, be, I will be the first to do that. Uh, and the final, final question, which is the only one we ask to all of our guests, Penny, and uh, I can think of no one uh, who can answer this better uh, question better than you. And that is, if you condense all of that uh, experience, good and bad, uh, all those learnings, all the things that you've picked up uh, along the way, that amazing journey, if your son 
or, or anyone else, young person came up to you and said, Penny, if you could condense down all of those wonderful uh, anecdotes you've shared, the, uh, the mantras by which you live by, and all of the other things I've scribbled down today, but if you could condense it down into one simple piece of advice. So I said to you, can you just share with me uh, something that would help me to find my way to make sense of the world in which we live today? What would that simple, in brackets, piece of advice be, Penny? I think it would be to find, by whichever means you can find it, the confidence to be yourself in life, because that imposter can really damage you. And um, and I think we can we can achieve that. There's, we are in a world now where individualism is really celebrated, where personal branding is really celebrated. Um, and just be really confident to be yourself. And if there are some edges of you that you need to address, um, go and, and go and get them sorted. Mm. You know, and as soon as possible, don't delay. Um, and just and just really start from who you are and then build your life from that place. I'm not sure that thank you does uh, this justice today. I have taken personally so much away from this and I, I do hope we're going to stay in touch because there's whew, a dozen uh, plus things I can think of to talk about and uh, networks we can share and all sorts of things. But um, I have to unfortunately draw uh, a conclusion to this uh, podcast, despite the fact that I think we're probably five, seven minutes over our normal time, but I'm not going to apologise for that because the uh, degree to which you've shared and the content that you've so openly uh, given to a a huge number of people, I can only express with the deepest gratitude my my thanks on behalf of many, many people uh, whose lives you will have changed as a result of the Sandro Forte podcast chat today. So Penny Power OBE, thank you very, very much indeed. Thank you, Sandro. It was beautiful. Well, what can I say? Thank you, of course, once again for joining us on the Sandro Forte podcast. Penny Power, uh, not just a great name, but a great lady as well. Wasn't she absolutely inspirational? And and, and as I said before, I don't think even that does it justice. Remember, every week we've got a new guest. (laughs) Next week's going to have to go some to, uh, to, to match that. But we do have one joining us every week to share their own insights into achieving success or overcoming life challenges. So please make sure you subscribe. Follow us on all the usual channels. It's Sandro's Podcast. There's an S in the middle. Remember to email us hello at Sandro's Podcast. If you want a copy of Penny's book, we will make sure that happens for you. And please remember those two other things to connect with me, Sandro Forte. You know the drill by now. And leave those reviews on iTunes. Really, really, really important. Uh, Because if you do, you'll be automatically entered into a draw to win one of the prizes, like Penny's book, uh, donated kindly by one of the guests of the Sandro Forte Podcast. So I've said it many times before. I'm going to say it again until this time next week. Goodbye for now. (laughs) 